Hi, my name's Brandon. And if you're anything like me, you feel like going insane. You got a fire in your brain and you're thinking of drinking gasoline. As a matter of fact. Honey, I know this act. It's called the, the Tango, Tango Maureen. The Tang. Get into the groove of the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. What did you just say? <laughs> this is this is get into the groove of the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. Does that sound better? That sounded great. <laughs> good job. Oh God, it's good to be back. And here with me, as always, Bustello, Marlboro, Banana by the Bunch. It's Melissa. Yes. Hi. What up, y'all? Hi. Hey. And of course, a box of Captain Crunch would taste so good. It's Jeannie. <gasps> Fuck yeah. Yeah. Look, it's Santa Claus. Hold your applause. It's Colton Cox. Hey. <laughs> How y'all doing? How you been? Doing good. Great. Great. Hey, uh, you know what? I've been all right. And speaking of Ben's, we have a very... Uh... Hate it. Absolutely hated that. <laughs> Oh, that was like painful. Yes. I thought that we got a better writing staff for this season, but no. Do you think the quality is going up as time goes on? It's plateauing right away. <laughs> okay. With us, we have another. I have friend in quotations of the pod. <laughs> wow. Frenemy of the pod. Uh, a frenemy of the pod, that's good, uh, because he's really, like, our harshest critic. He's the ego to our linguini. You are the one that texts us. He, he t- You text me. <laughs> you text me your opinions. Yes. Usually do agree with them, so yes. I love this. I, you're a friend of mine. I get. I guess the good thing we could say is, I guess he's listening. <laughs> a dedicated listener. A dedicated listener, so he can tell us everything that we did wrong. Exactly. <laughs> and it's more than I can say from most of you. This boy could use some stoli. It's Ben! Yes! Yeah. Hi, Ben. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. What do you think of our show? I do enjoy it. Like, I, I put it on at work, and it gets me through the day. Nice. Oh. A gun is not being held to his head right now. I just want to just <laughs> let everybody no, know. No. Nobody's holding him hostage. It's no. A, it's a knife. It's not a gun. It's a knife. <laughs> the intro is like, oh gosh, am I at my desk? No. <laughs> I'm here. This is live. <laughs> this is live. Uh, okay. Well, I brought everybody here to talk about an album that I feel is a little polarizing for some people. Um, we're delving into the musical theater aspect of things. Uh, let me ask you guys, how do you feel about musical theater? We've Love talked it. about a couple of musical theater albums. I brought one. You brought one, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does everybody else feel about musical albums? I love them. Ben is in favor. That's great. I love specific ones. I think I'm just hard to please when it comes to musicals. Oh, now which ones do you like? Ones that I feel other people who listen to musicals are like, you know, like Spring Awakening is probably one of my favorite shows. Duncan Sheik. Duncan Sheik. Though I don't think a lot of people would be like, you know, turn their nose up at that because that that show was kind of like. I mean, yeah, but it's it was also, the moment. It's it was. Also, it had a moment. I also feel that it's like 
people who love music theater, I don't think it's really like in the same vein as the like a classic music theater. Oh, well, that's, that's just different. different. That's it's, just not, different. it's not a yeah. fun one. It's what? It's not a fun musical. So you don't like. I'd beg to differ on that. Sing that one. while you're walking to the grocery store. <laughs> I think Mama, it's fun. I mean, the, the, the... me, oh, those tomatoes look nice. Mama, okay, <laughs> me, like no, not the, not a banger like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suppose, I suppose I just always when I talk to people who listen to music theater on a regular basis, they're either like massive Sondheim fans like yourself, or they like know like that you know golden age of musicals just like perfectly well, or they're like people who saw wicked when they were a teenager and it's like the greatest show of all time. For okay. Them. Hold on. Some people never move past it though. You know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> sure. I, I'll, I'll admit a small part of me has not, <laughs> but as you can also tell, I'm also just not. So spring person. awakening, you would say is probably your favorite musical. Probably so. Yeah. What about everybody else? Ben, what's your favorite musical? Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to you. Wasn't you prepared for such hard questions. You got so paralyzed. I'm so sorry. We'll come back to you. Jeannie, do you have a musical? Do you have a favorite musical? I'm not a huge musical person myself. Like, I don't actually consume many musicals. Um, Truly. I'm actually not familiar with that many of them. So I'm going to go out and say that probably I do love guys and dolls. I think it's very entertaining. And I also really like little shop of horrors might be another favorite. That is actually, I think little shop of horrors, probably musically my favorite. It's a blast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Such a blast. And there's that it's in that genre of like weird, like comedy horror thing. That's really, I think as far as like quote unquote, Rock musicals go. I actually prefer that to Rent. Little Shop? Yeah. To Rent? Yeah. It's not totally a rock musical because there are some classical. Well, it's a pop music musical. Yeah, yeah. It's all like doo-wop and stuff. Right, exactly. Right. Ben, did you decide what your favorite musical was? No. (laughs) Do you have a top three? I, I cannot pick a favorite because I'm really bad at picking favorites of anything. I can't. I can. What's your favorite? Go. Okay. <laughs> but now I, you're giving me top five. I hope you know that. I have I have two. Okay. And and that's just because they're in different lanes, fully different lanes, musical theater for me personally. Uh, my 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 number one spam a lot. I there, there's absolutely nothing that I don't like about that one, and it kills me every time. Every time I listen to it, I can't. Every time I see anything about it, I can't. Like it, it gets me the same way every single time. It, it, I feel like that is a musical you can count on. You yes, know? Like, and the, no matter what, it's gonna be funny. So um, and then lame is always. I, you know, uh, particularly Cole Wilkinson, Michael Wall, but okay. so, I mean, Cole Wilkinson is the one. The one. There's nobody the else. The only one. Um. I would consider that kind of a pop musical, but do you, how do, how would you guys classify Les Mis? I mean, it has a lot of opera influence. It is an operetta, technically. Yeah. Operetta? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it, I, I think it's only considered a pop musical because it is so popular, ah. but it's kind of one of these shows that's followed a couple of generations. So it's like our parents yeah. introduced us to Les Mis. It's kind of like Cats. That's actually a great comparison. I feel like the music is kind of similar to what Andrew Lloyd Webber does. It's far more complicated and complex. Yeah. But like, you know, there's no like electronic instruments in Les Mis. So it still has a classical sound. Like for me, Les Mis is the perfect mix of opera and 
of classical singing and musical theater. Like it's the it's the exact right combination of things for me. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's why it's so popular because it it is very versatile in that way. Yeah, because it, because it is a combination of things. All right, Ben, top five. Okay, well, I have to pull up my Spotify top twenty-one <laughs> playlist, which is not entirely accurate because Spotify made a lot of weird playlists for me this year. But uh, let's see. <laughs> like it knows us. I got really into Beetlejuice. Oh uh, yeah, the, you know what? It, yeah, it's really fun. I I was really surprised that I would like the whole show, but like I don't usually I don't skip too many songs hmm. when I play the soundtrack. Okay. okay, it's fun. It looks like it was a really fun show to watch when it was open. It looks like it was just full of magic in puppetry. It was basically like an illusion show. That's fantastic. With, you know, a story. A dark Mary Poppins. Yeah, that's uh, that's the yeah. stage show I always wanted to see. The because I remember we went to like a class or something that talked about the special effects behind mm-hmm. Mary Poppins. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool sounding stuff. I wouldn't mind seeing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on stage. True, giant flying car. Truly, that'd be amazing. Truly scrumptious. <laughs> <laughs> Next, <laughs> Beetlejuice. Um, I just like so many musicals. <laughs> Um, Trust Ben is a musical theater fan. Music Man is good. Legally Blonde is good. Shrek. Legally Blonde okay. is so good. <laughs> six. I got really into Six this mm. year too. Oh yeah, the, the one about Henry. Henry the Eighth, Six Wives. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've heard about that one. It was really. It's it's very pop. It very much a pop. It's that's very the fun. Whole, like concept. It's just the the six women like as if they were like a Spice Girls. Yeah, type the last girl group. wife is like she gets them all no. together to be like a no, girl band. What? That's full. What? No, yeah, it's basically a girl band of all of Henry VIII's wives, and they're trying to tell their story. And then they have like their own song. They're like, this is my song. They're like, "Mm, my story is more sad than yours. And then they'll do their song. Wow. It's very fun. Wow. It sounds incredible, actually. I'm sure it's a delight to watch. But this, those girls running around, like, singing their hearts out. Yeah, I mean, and Broadway musicals are, you know, they always have a huge cast, huge chorus, singing, oh. dancing. It's just those it's six just those women. six women. That's fantastic. They are holding it down. Um, well, I'm here today to talk about a musical that none of you listed, and <laughs> I'm now questioning my, our friendship. I'm not, I'm um, not 16 anymore. What? So. I'm not 16 what, anymore, ben? so. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, uh, I can't hear you <laughs> in your judgment. <laughs> It's it. not in my top five I hear <laughs> anymore. Okay, well, we're talking about the musical Rent. I hear you, Ben. I do Everybody. like it. <laughs> I forgot how much I liked it, though. Like, I, I came back to me like, do I, do I like this again? It speaks, I, it speaks to sort of an angst that I don't it, identify with right now. Yeah. But, like, I know where that came from, right. and I know why I loved this so much. Yes. And I can still get back there. He, he tapped yeah. into something. He tapped into something. Yeah was like the teen angst and then like my own early 20s poor living in the city when I didn't actually really need to be living in the city poor <laughs> but still living that glamorous uh starving artist lifestyle yeah without the artist part just <laughs> just generally just starving. starving just starving just, 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 starving. <laughs> just in poor city. in the city yeah glamorous uh, let me paint you a picture romanticize it paint us a picture it's March 2006, mm. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm. The Jensen's are late for a Broadway show. They are late. They are late for their first Broadway show, mind you. Okay. On Broadway? On Broadway. The whole Jensen family? The whole, all of them, all five of us. Okay. We are scrambling down 
through Times Square, right? And we're like, oh my God, we're, we're staying at the Hotel Edison. We have to go all the way down to 41st Street. None of us know what this means because this is our first few hours in New York City. So let's just go. There it is. Rent. The marquee. All in lights. The line is out the door. They're letting people in slowly. We go in. It's gray. It's dark. It smells like dust. It smells like must. It smells like mildew. It smells like rock and roll. And we sit down in the fifth row, okay? All the lights are still on. I look up, okay? The, the, the stage is bare. There's nothing on the, well, there, there's stuff on the stage, but there's no, there's no wings. There's no, uh, what do you call them? Borders. No drops. Everything is no drapery. from the, no drapery on the stage at all. Just, you can see lights, you can see backstage, you can see the back wall, you can see the pit on stage. I look up on my little seat, right? And I see in the box seats, a huge lighting tree that is like over the, it looks like if the building shook even a little bit, that tree would come tumbling down and kill everybody in the orchestra. Sounds about right. It was thrilling. <laughs> so the cast comes out. The lights don't change. The cast comes out, right? Roger picks up his little guitar, his strums, okay? Mark sets up his little camera, and he looks out at the audience, and he paints us a picture. Smile, and he flips on the camera, and all but one light in the theater goes out. Spot on Mark's face. And we're in to tune-up number one. And I gotta tell you, I was near tears the whole time. Like, I had to... <laughs> uh, emotional. It was emotional because I had been obsessed with the album and here it was just like happening at me. And it was like a style of theater that I had not seen before ever in my life. Um, and it was on Broadway, like next to shows like The Lion King and Wicked and Spamalot. Even though as funny as Spamalot is, as hysterical as Spamalot is, it is still kind of a traditional, it follows the traditional format. Yeah. And even its set is like wing and drop, you know, orchestra down here set. in the pit. If there is a set. So we're into tune up number one, December 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, can we call this a song? Yes or no? We don't know. Um, <laughs> voicemail number one happens. Uh, we're introduced to Mark's mom. Uh, and Mark's mom reveals to us that Mark had a girlfriend, Maureen. She dumped him to be with a woman, to be a lesbian. But there are other fishies in the sea. Love, mom! <laughs> now we're into tune-up number two. This thing is flying. We are introduced to... Who's next? Who's next? Mark, Roger. We're told about Maureen. Colin shows up. Their old roommate, Collins, who is a, 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 um, uh, a professor at New York University. He comes in, he, he calls, and he says, throw down the key, I'm here, let's, let's hang out, right? Mark goes to the balcony, throws down the key, Collins catches it, but on his way up, he gets beat up by some people. Uh, the phone rings again, Mark answers it, and he says, where are you at, Collins? And we're introduced to Benny, their landlord and their old friend. They used to live together in the loft. Collins, Benny, uh, uh, Maureen, Collins Mark, and, Maureen. and Roger. They not all, even that long ago, though, right? Not too? Even it was like within ago. the last year he yes. had lived there. Yes. This is important later. And Benny is calling to collect the rent, not just uh, next month's rent or last month's rent, a but year. the, year's the year's rent worth of rent. That their buddy that he let who slide. used to live there let slide, apparently, he or that was the negotiation. Golden. When he bought the building. When they were roommates, remember? Okay. <laughs> 
What happened to Benny? What happened to his heart? I want to step in here with this this Benny guy. There's a whole song between then and now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I when I saw when I saw the movie years ago, I had no idea who the hell this person was or why he showed up randomly. Or why would we cared at all? Right. Because <laughs> he's hardly even in the rest of the movie. He like kind of pops in and out. Well, and they, they basically only introduced him with that song. Like right, they did it. Exactly. There was none yeah. of this in the beginning. No tune-ups, right. no, no voicemails, tune no voice nothing. nothing. I will say the um, offer that he's making them does sound good on paper. It's <laughs> a sweet offer. And we're going to get into it and because... <sighs> After the whole moral of this music. <laughs> Wait, no, no, go ahead. What? The moral of the musical just—it's so—it's it's so shallow. Well, what? What do you think the moral of the musical is? The intended moral is like, don't be a sellout. Oh, do your art, yeah, but truly. don't make money off of it. Don't make money anywhere. This just do your time. art. And, and that's the whole thing that Jonathan Larson was like striving. He was trying to get a paycheck for his work, and right. it's like but, he what, made what you, a bazillion dollar show that everybody loved. I mean, he didn't right, get any of that yeah, money, right. sure, but. He did the thing he said not to do, except he was doing it with his, he was making his passion work. But like, not everyone's going to be a Jonathan I, Larson. I want to talk more about this later because I'm going to say something that may not be received well. I feel like this show sometimes feels so much like an after school special, and I kind of hate it sometimes. Yes, absolutely. That honestly, <laughs> because they're dealing with like there's some dark shit that mm-hmm. happens in this show, and mm-hmm. they're just like. <laughs> I made the dog have a heart attack and die. Oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. That's we not what it was. That. No, I know, I know. <laughs> it's not a fucking, okay. All right. I know. So we get into Rent, the title song. <laughs> After the power blows, right? And uh, We light candles. They light <laughs> candles because they have no electricity. What else are they supposed to as do? As they For do heat? it, this is what we're doing right now. We're lighting candles yes. as I physically light a candle in front of the audience. On stage, there's just like hidden candles that just kind of light up. It's real neat when you see it. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, what? I bet, I bet, stage is really the only way to receive this show and have it actually like not seem just so totally childish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think really, truly, the only way this could have been seen is uh, in April 1996. Yeah, when it opened on Broadway. I think that's it. I think yeah. anything beyond that is just a pale imitation. Hot take, but uh, I think it's just a pale imitation. Like us. It, they're not bad, but it's more of a celebration of the event rather than right. like seriously trying to put on rent. You know what I mean? Like hair. Exactly like it's hair. It's in the moment, but even then it was a little after the moment. Like this was a little yeah. bit after the moment. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to detract too much, but I also <gasps> He will was say, working on it for a few years too, though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good will, like three or four years. I'll say too that sometimes it feels like it's more like honoring Jonathan Larson than it is like the show itself. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about how long he's worked on it. Yeah, it was a longer time than what I just said too, I realized. But how long did you say? Uh, I said like three or four years, but I think 93 is when he first started workshopping it. I'm sure he's writing stuff for it before then. You yeah, probably yeah. know better the, the than 93, I do. 93, 94, that's uh, like when that first workshop happened. Yeah. And then there was a second workshop that happened a year later. And then um, the actual production. And then it jumped from off-Broadway to Broadway. So, so, so why the fuck rent? Why the fuck this? Why the fuck Lava M? Why the fuck East Village? What's happening? Okay, so here's what happened. This playwright, his name is Billy Aronson. He wanted to adapt La Boheme. 
to the East Village for whatever reason. Set in the 1980s was the original setting. It um, made sense. And Jonathan Larson had already been working. Uh, Billy Aronson was looking for a new lyricist slash composer to work with to to put this idea, you know, in motion. Um, and he got hooked up with Jonathan Larson, and they worked together, uh, and they wrote three songs together. They wrote Rent, Santa Fe, and I Should Tell You together. Um, but they couldn't quite get on the same page with things. They couldn't quite uh, get the show to be like a streamlined thought. They didn't you know have quite I mean? the same vision. Yeah, I think conflicting visions and uh, lack of focus just kind of, they made, they put the project away because of it. Uh, but they had those three songs. Um, and I just want to share with you the original lyrics. The first verse of Rent, right? How do you document real life when uh, real life's getting more like fiction each day? Original lyrics. If I threw my body out the window, brain all splattered, guts all steaming in the snow, I wouldn't have to finish shooting video no one wants to show. Dark. Er. Wow. That legend changes the whole vibe of Mark. Uh, yeah. Fully changes the yes. vibe of Mark's mm-hmm. character. And when you think about it, Mark is the vessel that Jonathan Larson is using to like put himself in the show. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's his state of mind when he's in when he's writing. 19, this. When was that originally the first writings there then? Uh nineteen ninety. Right in ninety. Eighty nine or ninety. Wow. Okay, yeah. Oof. That's uh, there's so many dark things in the show that are just casually tossed out and then like never spoken of. Yeah, really. Like the way the way that uh, uh, Roger's girlfriend dies. Oh, <laughs> it's its own track and it's like, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna breeze past that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Through this collaboration, uh, Jonathan Larson, the main thing that's killing people in Love OM is uh, consumption, tuberculosis. Right. It was Jonathan Larson's idea to make the disease AIDS because he knew he had so many friends that had been diagnosed. How timely it was a raging epidemic at right, the time right. and yeah. it had been for like several years at that point, but nothing had nothing abated. was done. Yeah. Nothing yeah. was done about it. Of course it made sense for it to replace tuberculosis. Um, and he knew he wanted to call the play rent. He knew he wanted to call it rent, but Billy Aronson was like, what? I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, and Jonathan Larson explained, well, one, it's the plot, right? That's Benny. The landlord is trying to get rent from them and they can't pay because they're broke and they're trying to be artists and not sell out. But also rent means to tear apart it, like uh, in terms of fabric. Rend. I guess. Yeah. The, okay. Now I looked the fabric up. together. Uh, what? What binds the fabric together? It's in the opening song. Mm-hmm. Ripping mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Rent. That's what they say. Um, wait, now is rent past tense or is rend past tense? I feel like rent would have been past tense. Rent I feel is like, past tense? But yeah. I don't, now okay. I feel like I'm I think you're correct. I, I think you're right. The imagery is still. But I still get good. the concept. Yeah. When you workshop a musical, what exactly do you do? We'll get into it. Okay. Um, so let me restate. Is it like they put on a performance of it to like industry people and then they give notes? It depends on the stage of the workshop. So, um, before this, Jonathan Larson was working on a, I always want to say Suspiria and that is incorrect. (laughs) He was working on a musical called Superbia. Um, and it was kind of this space age musical that happened in 2060 something, uh, that was uh, essentially a retelling of uh, 1984. Um, but, of course, could not get the rights. Whatever. Anyway. David Bowie couldn't get the rights either. Not even. Both um, of them. 
failed. He wrote this musical uh, and got, got a lot of people interested. And this workshop was just kind of like a staged reading. So there were a few people, like a few, um, like uh, someone who played keyboard, somebody was on drums, and there was like a bassist or somebody. And then a few singers, and they stood and sang. So it wasn't a, you know, a full-scale thing. Rent has uh, been through that and then like a full stage production. So like any of those could be a workshop, but there, it's just essentially a production looking for money. Okay. I guess I just didn't understand. Cause I, I knew it was like different stages to it, but I just didn't. Yeah. And depending on the funding, it could be, uh, you know, a different, you know, trajectory for the show too. Like if you, uh, old Broadway, for instance, like if Hal Prince wanted to put on a musical, he would hire, you know, Stephen Sondheim and a book writer, make them write a musical, and then send that production to Boston to work on, and it would eventually come to Broadway. I see. Okay. So there's, yeah, it depends. It means different things. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're moving on. Now we're into You Okay, Honey, all right? We we're meet. moving on from Rent. Yeah. Do you have things to say? Well, yeah, because we get introduced to Joanne and Rent. We get introduced to that whole dynamic between her and Maureen and Rent. We get yes. introduced we to, see to Maureen the dynamic between, between yeah, we get, we get introduced to a lot we in do. that first yes. number. Is um, Mimi in it? Mimi's not in that one, I don't think. Not, is she no. in the she chorus, at least? been officially introduced. Uh-uh. I, know she's like, I don't know if she was like in the chorus parts on the stage version. Yeah. And then the movie, she pops up. And like it just says chorus in the libretto, but like is that everybody or a company, whatever? I think uh, I don't know if she the just by the way it was done, like the way the production was directed. I think it's assumed that everybody's on stage whenever there's like a big group number. Like the company is everybody. Do no, people double parts in the in well at least in the two thousand eight version? Didn't they? Yeah, the ensemble member members they play different parts. Okay, that's what I thought. The whole cast list right there. I could get into it, um, <laughs> but yeah, we meet Joanne. Um, who in La Wem is, I'm going to get this wrong, Alcindora? I don't know. It is spelled A-L-C-I-N-D-O-R-O. Oh, you're talking about from La Bohème. Yes. Like the actual, okay, yeah. The opera. You're referencing the opera. Yeah. Alcindora? Yeah, is it's, it it's something like that. Something like that. Uh, that that character the is... The rich... Uh, right, statesman. ...person, yeah, who's with Musetta. the Musette, who is... Maureen Maureen. in this. Yeah. Uh, So Joanne is a composite character, essentially, of that character and, uh, to a certain degree, Marcello, but I don't know how. Um, But, yeah, anyway, she is that character. We are introduced to her. Um, She is a uh, uh, from a well-to-do family, right? She's a lawyer. She is an activist. Um, She is... Organized and driven. Organized, driven, notably older than everybody else on stage, right? Or everybody else in the story, all the principal characters in the story. She went to law school. She's a a lawyer, so like... She's a full-on adult. How old are the characters supposed to be? Twenties. I feel like they're all their later twenties, which I think... It, I remember reading in there, it said that Larson graduated high school in like 78. So he's probably placing most of the characters in like their later 20s, mm-hmm. which is yeah, about where he was at. his age, yeah. Yeah. I was curious because they, in the offhand comment about Roger's girlfriend, they also talk about her being 19. I yeah, think. she's really young. And, and he he could, he had to have been like 24. Well, yeah. Uh, Mimi actually says I'm 19. Is it Mimi? Yeah, Mimi. yeah it's Mimi. Mimi who is oh, she does. Yes, you're right. It yeah. is Mimi. Because he says, you look like you're 16. But you did not realize that she was that young. I'm either. 19. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think April, the girl who died, and Roger were probably age appropriate. 
at the at the time. At least I'm hoping so. Um, well, he was a singer for a rock band. At least I'm hoping so, Colton. <laughs> I mean, for her to be that deep into addiction, I hope that she would be older. What? Benny was dating the 18 stripper who lived downstairs. Benny? A year prior, because, like, who was your boyfriend last right. year? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a creep. Benjamin. I don't date 18-year-old girls. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on because I've spent so much time on this. Okay, we're into you, okay, honey. We meet Angel, who is Chouinard in La Bohème, who is a mu- musician in Angel, and this one is a drag queen who is a uh, percussionist on a pickle tub. Um, we see Angel playing on her pickle tub. Um... They meet, what does it say? In the movie, Collins says, oh, yeah, okay, so Angel helps Collins, right? In the movie, Collins uh, is, like, all bloody and busted, which is true in this show also. But uh, they have this really nice touch where Angel, like, reaches her hand out to help him with a rag, and he, like, pulls away and says, I'm fine, when he's clearly not, right? And I think, perhaps I'm giving uh, Wilson Heredia, Jermaine, Wilson Jermaine Heredia, uh, too much credit, but it seems like Angel takes a moment to realize, like, oh, he doesn't want me to touch him because he knows he might infect me. Like, she's, like, she's already, like, figuring it out, you know what I mean? Um, because in You Okay, Honey, they reveal to each other that I had, uh, you know, this body is a comfortable host for the acquired immune deficiency syndrome. He says, as does mine. Oh, we'll get along fine. And also, this is kind of speaks to just, like, Angel... Uh, how clever she is, how smart she is, because she can keep up with somebody like Collins. Because I think he is kind of like a he's a portrayed big as thinker, an intellectual. I mean, if he was going to be teaching at MIT, he's yes. at least got a bachelor's, maybe the doctor, master's. Who knows? Yeah, it is, they don't. He didn't stay long. They, right. don't, they don't really get into what he was doing at MIT. Trying to teach couch potatoes at New York. No, I'm getting it wrong. Um, he will be teaching your university job at the end. There you go. Okay. Because um, that's the one where he gets that code for the ATM. Right. Spoilers. Um, Sorry. So we, we meet them. The ATM, romance. that's an important plot point. You can't just ruin it. Oh, no. Uh, they, they meet, a romance is ensuing, uh, and then we get to tune up number three, which is the Close on Roger, his girlfriend April left a note saying we have AIDS before slitting her wrist in the bathroom. In song, we're supposed to just be okay with that. Content um, warning. We go geez. into one song, Glory. Glory. <laughs> did you like? Did you like that one, Mr. Rockstar? Did you? <laughs> I will say that he right before that he starts singing one song, Glory. He's like writing the Musetta's waltz, basically, right? Like right. he's doing that. And I'm just like, dude, why don't you just do this song? Like, this is your one song. It's got the cool, like, like delay guitar intro. Like, do, 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 what are you doing? It wasting it on nobody. Right. What's well, funny? Musetta's right. Watts already exists. Like, yeah, He's just is bad at playing guitar. The whole, the whole fucking thing with Roger. The whole goddamn show. He's like, I just need to write one song, and then every fucking song that he sings, it's it's like, do that one. He put the guitar down to sing it. That's the oh, best part. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, like, I'm going to be honest. I cannot stand Roger as a character. Oh my God. He's so awful. God, what a fucking turd. Colton, I knew you were going to hate him. (laughs) I was watching it today and I was like, I wonder how Colton feels about Roger. I always felt that way. Cause I mean, okay. okay, You saw, you saw the, the broad, the final Broadway performance. Will Chase, this is for posterity is 
awful. Okay, beyond that though, I didn't like Adam Pascal either. The, I mean, yeah, Roger's oh my, kind of a hard character now, to like, will but say, Will Chase did not help. I will say Adam Pascal had a much better voice for the character. Oh yeah. God, I can't fucking stand Roger. What a whiny little bitch. All right, continuing. <laughs> you don't like your men brooding and haunting. He's only a recovering drug addict whose girlfriend died Slit because they wrist. both got AIDS together, and now he has okay. to live with them. Okay, okay. And the only woman who's interested in him is also an addict. Traumatic things happen to bad people, too. But he's just like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> but we don't talk about that. Okay, so... Moving uh, on. <laughs> Jonathan Larson is totally writing from his experience in the song. Um, this song was originally called Right Brain, right? And it was... Oh, God. I listened to it the other day. It's horrible. Right Brain? It's so, it's horrible. I bet it is. It's on YouTube. Like, I, I went down the rabbit hole. It seems he very much took a shotgun approach to writing music for the show. Just like, it's I'm going to write 50 yeah. songs and then one of them will stick. And it, it was even longer than in its original iteration. It went on four hours. He just says, right brain, over and over again. And just, it's... It, I'm glad they cut it. Uh, Michael Greif actually <laughs> right was like, okay, this they song. Cut a fine, but like right this. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> the director said, this song like is okay, but I think you need to push past the poetry and like write about the, the actual thing you want to write about. Like stop Exposition. speaking in metaphors and like mm. speak, speak. Uh, and then one song glory. One yeah. benefit of the movie is that they have the flashback showing you exactly what he's thinking about, as opposed to the general vagueness of right. it's in the virus takes home. <laughs> like, oh, here's the sheet of paper saying positive AIDS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, they, they skip out the intro right. too. So. The movie really like kind of throws dirt on the subject, not like in a bad, just like kind of kind of covering it up almost a little bit. The movie. Com- uh, the the HIV stuff and AIDS stuff that they talk about because I feel like well, well it's a lot less apparent because like yes. they, they cut yes. out a lot yes. of the tune yes. up they cut out a lot of they right. they still go to the life support meetings that's what I'm saying and then there's yeah. still like the the fading out of whatever and later on but it's still a very re- prevalent theme in the movie but I just feel like the show goes way further into it they're less willing <laughs> to be explicit about it yes. is what you're saying yes yes yeah try to obscure it a little they're like oh it's a film it's you'll figure it out right right we're that you're Um, probably right ben so we reached the end of one song glory uh he says uh and there's no need to endure anymore time dies the door (laughs) um mimi and rent is the an exotic dancer mimi and labo m is a seamstress same thing um, the so there's a, there's a lot of um, gowns, beautiful gowns. Uh, lip service paid to the opera. Um, this is a, like the example for it. Um, the whole light my candle motif is uh, lifted straight from the opera. Uh, the song that Rodolfo sings about Mimi, I forgot how to say this. She no. No, I don't know. It's called What a Frozen Little Hand in English. Um, and uh, the, the recording with Pavarotti is great, so everybody listen to that. Um, but anyway, there's uh, like melodic things happening in that song that Jonathan Larson pulls from. Uh, yeah. And can I just say, now that we're, we're talking about, like, since this is an, a podcast about albums, this particular album, Daphne Rubin Vega, for me, is the one. What do you, the the she's one the one the Joanna. Mimi she's she's Mimi Mimi 
She's the Mimi. She's she's the Mimi for me. Thoughts? Yes. Not me. Mm. Who's I, your Mimi? I, well, I mean, I really have only listened to two soundtracks of this one. So there's this one and Rosario Dawson, who I think did a great job. But she just has a very simple, nice, good voice. Not mm-hmm. as yeah. character-y as the Raphne, Ripon, Daphne, Ripon, wow. Raphne. <laughs> Raphne. Ruh-roh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kept going to call her De La Vega earlier, but no, that's somebody else. I um, Alexa Vega doing her performance. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, like, um, I don't like her voice, Daphne. What a shame. She what was shame. fantastic in the, oh, I wrote it down. That movie with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? She was fantastic in Rocky Jack Horror. Osborne. Show. Oh, that's right. Like, there's a fantastic cast. She's amazing yeah. in that one. But like this song, just like, I know it's like, she's a drug addict and like, she's meant to be like a down and out character. So maybe that's where they're going. But like, I don't know. Her voice just doesn't do it for I me. I think that's why I actually do prefer Daphne in that role because Rosario yeah. Dawson plays her so much softer. Yeah. Whereas this is like kind of a, cold callous version of it, or at least not cold maybe more calculating uh, yeah uh, i think i think uh rosario yeah. dawson's mimi definitely has more of a grip on herself which yeah. i don't think mimi should have because she is so young i mean she's sure she's confident mm-hmm. uh but mm-hmm. i don't think she and she's street smart but she doesn't really have a grasp on i don't know her life because she is so reckless. I definitely would not have guessed that Rosario Dawson was supposed to be playing a 19-year-old. Yes. Right. So. And it it hurts because uh, it doesn't like hurt, but like it hurts the point and it hurts the cause uh, because everybody else in that movie is now 10 years older than what they should be. Right. Right. They have already aged out of their roles. So everything is a little bit weird. Now they're like 39 singing about like, how are we going to pay last? Get a job. <laughs> You should have sold out by now. All right. Why are you like, waiting for? A good 10 years ago, least, you know? At least a little bit, you know? Come on. <laughs> at least have a stable job delivering I pizza or something. Like, you got to pay the bills a little bit. The heat gets shut off. I'm selling my soul. <laughs> I would never, ever let the heat get shut off. Never. But Light My Candle is a great example of how Jonathan Larson uh, wanted to marry a pop music with musical theater. Like, his whole goal was to bring Broadway to the MTV generation. Which I think this is a solid attempt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a very good attempt. It is a rock musical. It is that. It is a rock musical. It checks all those boxes. Now, there's been a theory of floating around as to why Mimi is asking Roger to light her candle. Do we think she's just flirting or do we think that there's a purpose? She's trying to she's trying to light her hair. What? Like to, well, to melt her, like the spoon yeah. thing? Yes. I don't know, drugs. Why can't it be I mean, both? Neither did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it seemed like in watching the staged version. It seemed like she was both flirting and also getting him to light her candle so she could do fun. Let's get high on. together. Also, like, do they are they don't already know each other, but like he says something like you Oh, you're back? I think he recognizes her. Well well she oh, leaves. No, no, what did no. she say? Uh Bro- Broski just left. Right. He said at the he beginning leaves, of the song you right mean? before oh, glory. he thinks it's Mark coming right Mark back. Mark leaves in. right before glory. Oh. So he sings glory and then the knock comes and he thinks Mark forgot yeah. something. So he says, What'd you forget? What'd you forget? And he's got a guy. Oh, what'd you forget? Mimi enters with the shivering. candle. Okay. Yeah. That, I just could Nothing. not figure that out yesterday. No. Well, it's on the previous page. I don't know. I can't remember in the, if if this happens in the stage show, but in the musical, they set up Mimi coming to talk to 
Roger early by them kind of making eye contact and like having a moan where they like clock each other like and in then the, in the movie? yeah so I don't know if that happens in the musical where it like oh, yeah, they're like all singing the song for, and she's like looking up at his yeah, balcony there's like a reason for her maybe to come up so I just don't know what that, that to come for they've you been know neighbors for a year I'm surprised they hadn't met yet I know especially if like the ex-roommate was dating her yeah I think I think just the whole thing is that they are in the same building they've been passing each other and she has been you know She's locked right. I'm just wondering him. if they set that up in the musical the way they, they did in the movie. No, no yeah. not in block. And he's been up. hunkered down inside. Like he yeah. has not left the house for a little bit. So it would make sense that she would probably pop in and be like, it's been a little bit What'd since they I saw you. Hey, I heard you year. singing a ballad up here. That's because you light my candle. It's because he's trying to write a shitty song while singing much better songs. <laughs> so now um, they do their little thing, whatever. Oh, let me just, okay. So Daphne Ruben Vega, Ruben Vega was in this show <laughs> the longest she's been, she was in it in the first workshop in 1994 and finally left in 1997. Um, so was in it for m- a good portion of the yeah. journey. Three, four um, years. She, before she was doing that, she was in a Latino comedy group called uh, El Barrio USA. And she was also singing and dancing, but she was adamant about like wanting to separate her being a musician versus her being an actress. So she was unsure about doing this. She was like, well, I don't want to like mix the two. I don't want to be like this. I don't know. I read your little thing. That was that was Larson's thing too. He went to college to be an actor, and then at some point in time, he was like, "Sure, like all right, music." And someone, I think it was Sondheim, was like, "Well, you have to choose." <laughs> Is basically what he said. He's like, "There's a lot more pianists out there than there are actors, so yeah. you either commit, pick one, and be a good pianist." It's not wrong. Or go to be an actor and deal with that. And that's coming from. Steve. Well, and he's not he's not talking just about our buddy Steve. Our buddy Steve. He's not talking about just performing either. He's talking about if you want to compose music, you cannot do both. I, there's no time. No, you don't have the energy. Absolutely not. No. Adam Pascal uh casually singing some bands. Um and a, apparently uh Adina Mazel's boyfriend at the time mentioned the show to him and he was intrigued and once the producer started searching around he put his name in the hat and uh they said he could have the job as long as he opened his fucking eyes when he sang. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're into voicemail number 2. Well, Joanne, we're off. I called you at the office and they said you're stage managing or something. Um we meet Joanne's parents. And in the, in the libretto, Maureen's standing in the background, right. ignoring the phone. She's the one screening this voicemail. No, no, she isn't. Right? No. Is Ma- Maureen's not at the apartment? Maureen or she is, is she is there to be the outgoing message for the voicemail. Um, so it's just That's pretentious it staging. But still, we do not get to see her face. Right, yeah, she's not revealed yet. Um, she says, the outgoing message is, uh, hi, you've reached Maureen and Joanne. Leave a message and don't forget, over the moon, my performance protesting the eviction of the homeless and artists from the 11th Street lot. Tonight at midnight in the lot between A and B. Party at Laugh Cafe to follow. Beep. And then it goes into that number. And it's Joanne's apartment. And she's like, thank you for calling Maureen and Joanne's right. phone. Yeah, Joanne's apartment. Which is why they probably say, uh, mommy's confirmation this hearing began on the 10th. We'll need you alone. Do not bring that bitch more in, which is and why wear later. Bra. And Damn wear it. a bra, please. Which is why later she says, yes, dad, I beeped you. Maureen is coming they to tell her, uh, Mother's tell her hearing. to wear a dress too, don't they? Yeah. And no, Doc no Doc Martens. And have a Mary. Don't be such a les. <laughs> and a bra. See, 
they, she, Joanne probably thinks that her parents are like, oh, I just, they don't like that I'm dating a woman. Like, they probably just don't like Maureen. No, you can date whoever you want as I long as it's that not is her. Absolutely, the mindset for both parties. Yeah, I Listen, think Joanne is like, I'm gonna, you know, rebel against my parents, and her person, parents are like, Why Maureen? If there's a person that I hate almost as much as Roger, it's fucking Maureen. <laughs> oh, she's. I feel like she's she's meant to be the most dislikable. Well, of course, of course, because she she's a caricature of every everything the show is about. Yes. Um, well, listen, Joanne's great, but we're not talking about Joanne. <laughs> but we can. But we can. Uh, because uh, Jonathan Larson pulled a lot from his own life, right? So at the beginning, when Mark is throwing his keys down, like that, that is how you got into Jonathan Larson's apartment. So he was pulling like small aspects of his life to feed the story, to add details to it. So uh, he had a girlfriend, broke up with him, uh, and she started dating a woman. So that, like, Mark is Jonathan Larson. And in the first, like, iterations of the show, Joanne was a bitch. Um, and there was a point where Maureen left Joanne and came back to Mark. And, at, like, everybody around Jonathan was like, this is very, like, hetero-savior mentality. Like, <laughs> please remove this. You need to get over her, Joanne. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the whole thing. It was like once... John, this is kind of creepy, buddy. <laughs> Once he got over his, like, vendetta for lesbians, Joanne became, like, a fully flushed out character. So he went completely opposite. Like, Joanne is the only good person, the only Mm -hmm. reasonable, smart person Mm -hmm. who also hire a black woman to play her. (laughs) The only adult in the whole situation. Yeah. Only adult. Okay. And so we're moving on. um, And now we're into Today for You. And we, uh, Collins finally comes back. They're like, what's going on? Um, He's like, I brought all this stuff. He's like, how'd you get all this money? He said, this is how I met this bitch. She is the, uh, uh, the, uh, a new edition of the Alphabet City Avant Garde, Angel Dumont Chouinard, which is hello and non to Laboem. Angel comes in Today for You. Tomorrow, tomorrow for, for me. me. And we go into this big gay Today for you. Tomorrow, tomorrow for me. me. You should uh. see her beat. Um, okay. So let's talk about murdering animals. <laughs> so <laughs> Angel was paid 1K to go to the uh Gracie Muse, sit on this woman's balcony slam her little pickle tub until the dog next door got so worked up that he leapt off the balcony. This dog is named... Thelma and Louise. Evita. Um, the Akita. The Akita. Well, let's talk about that. Who is having an Akita in Manhattan? Do you know what an Akita is? Do yes. you know how we big those dogs later. are? Who, who had an Akita in Manhattan? Oh, right. We know who yeah. had an Akita in Someone who <laughs> know this. Someone who lives in Westport. Yeah. <laughs> Sparrow's old sport, which I had to look up where that is. Where is it? Is it like, uh, Westport's like four hours north of, of New, York New York City. City. I see. On the Vermont border. I see, I see, I see. Um, yes, so Angel kills uh, somebody's dog. Um, and apparently oh, yeah, trims somebody's jumps. tree. Which what, can, we, can we clarify what is trimming the tree? I'm going to take a stab, and but it's prostitution. Prostitution. Is it, is it a sex thing? That would make sense to me. Okay, that's that. That is the running theory. I mean, it's probably like it's an actual an old sex lady. act, but I'm sure the point is it's prostitution. Talking about sexual shaving is that what we're talking about? Trimming the tree? Maybe. <laughs> Some people just thought it might just be like, uh, like, uh, just maybe, eating her out. Maybe the old lady can't get. You know, she she has hard time getting there. Maybe. 
That's probably it. Benjamin Weebeck. <laughs> oh, you said it right. <laughs> he said, I said, maybe the older lady has trouble shaving some places and she needs someone to come trim her tree. So I said, Benjamin Weebeck. Or really, maybe she just cannot reach high enough to get the baubles on her actual Christmas tree. Continued. <laughs> Continue this episode. <laughs> um, okay, I just want to throw out, did anybody see Rent uh, live on Fox? I know you did because we watched it together. Did you see it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Here, here we go. Uh, Valentina, yay or nay? <laughs> well, it was... Yay or nay? <laughs> With the evidence provided by, by the defense, <laughs> nay. <laughs> Here's the thing. If it had been actually live? I don't know. I I genuinely have my doubts. I do not think that Valentina has the chops to dance, <laughs> sing, and act, let alone do those separately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, th that was truly stunt casting in the worst way. Because in the show and in the movie, right, Angel is acrobatic like that's kind of what makes her miraculous is that she's amazing at everything so that she is in this like cute little santa suit with some high heels on doing flips and shit banging on shit dancing singing whatever right not easy it is it is wild. up and down is all over the place yeah i mean sure like part of it's written in a rap but like that that's not helpful uh so i feel like they really they really, because Valentina is a drag queen and that's like where it ends, right? Well, then like the live one wasn't even live was because not, yeah. Roger no, broke David, his leg yesterday. and there was no understudy. Yeah. Which, why would you? <laughs> there was no understudy. <laughs> no. They should have wheeled him out like Dave Grohl. <laughs> no, th th this is the argument is that, is that Fox missed an opportunity to uh, have like groundbreaking representation. Right, even though he's not wheelchair bound for life, he, Roger could have been in a wheelchair. The and people who fine. were there watching it that night during yeah. the broadcast got to see him do it on stage in the wheelchair with the cast on. But us at us at home watched the last night's rehearsal where they were right. kind of trying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the very very end, they brought him out, and everyone like, oh, why is he in a wheelchair all of a sudden? Oh, he broke his leg yesterday. All right. All so right. anyway, moving right along, I'm wasting so much time. Okay, you, you are not going to hit. It's already 55 minutes, so. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're going to skip the middle segment. <laughs> um, that's not happening. What? Okay. So Angel's character, why does she kill a dog? Because Chunard kills a bird in La Boheme. He plays a, a violin so badly that the bird kills itself. Like so, in Shrek. Like in Shrek. That's exactly right, Ben. Um <laughs> My fifth favorite musical. <laughs> so we, Ben Wall comes, Benny. Um, we, Rendy, you'll you'll see. Uh, you'll see. That? He tells them all about gentrifying their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and, and he lays out the sweet deal for them. Yes. Cyber arts. Mm -hmm. And Cyber. all the adults listening go, now, what's the rest of the show about what's again? The rest? What what's, are we doing? Sounds like it's over. What's right. the dilemma? <laughs> oh, they're going to take this job and that's the end of it. They'll pay their rent. <laughs> Cyber studio. A state of the art uh, yeah. Thermonuclear um, <laughs> so Cybertronic. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Someone who clearly had no idea what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> in the 90s, just you put cyber on something. <laughs> right. Stay yeah, here it's for anything. free. That's yeah. it. The internet was like two years old. Yeah. <laughs> and 
really, even though he didn't have like the right language for it, he was kind of not far off. No. Right. I mean, he's a yuppie tech bro I mean, from the early nineties. We got the Taco Bell Cantina moving into Westport. We know what's going on. <laughs> bro, I passed. I almost got a wreck. I said, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> It's some bullshit is what it it's is. It's been sitting there for so long, too. All right. Back on the rails. <laughs> back back on the rails. Uh, Benny says, you'll see this deal's going to work out and you guys are going to be sitting pretty and we're going to be rich and we're going to be uh, making all the art that we wanted to make and it's going to be great. And everyone says, no thanks. He says, fuck you, Benny. Uh, <laughs> Actually, they say, what's the catch? Uh, that's true. Oh. And the catch is the they catch have to convince Maureen to stop her protest. Yeah, and they said so that they can more quietly also, kick out all the homeless yes, people. Exactly. That's the important part. They yeah. want to be able to kick the homeless people out without a big fuss because that's going to make it look bad to open this new state of the art thing after you kicked out a bunch of people and now everyone's homeless. Honestly, the investors would rather he handle this quietly, Jeannie. The investors should know it only takes like a month for people to forget you kicked homeless people out of an area. <laughs> In the moment, you don't know, Ben. They think they're making history. They think they're going to be remembered because for everything. The people ever. want to like, oh, they kicked the homeless out. That's going to be a big deal. People will care. I really. This is one time I wish Jonathan Larson had just like acknowledged the the connection to La Boheme and should be like, we're not going to do that, Benoit. Benoit. <laughs> like say his full say his full name. Like fuck you, Benoit. <laughs> Your name's not even Benny. It's Benoit. It's Benjamin. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> They even say it, Benjamin Coffin the Third. But that would be fun. They called him Benoit as like a stupid joke. He's like, guys, stop to call. We're not eighteen anymore. So call me Benoit. Benjamin Coffin the Third. Benoit. Yeah. Uh, Benny says, or you you will pack. Angel says that boy could use some Prozac or heavy drugs or, or group, group hugs. Which reminds me, we're gonna go to a life support meeting later. Um, but before that, Mark has to save Maureen's protest. First, I've got a protest to save. I'm not much company, you'll find. Behave. Uh, he's just got other things on his mind. We'll see, boys. I like boys. Uh, boys like me. We'll see. Mark says, uh, and so into the abyss, the lot where a small stage is partially set up, close on Mark's nose, day, nose dive, will he get out of here alive? And then we get into the track, Tango Maureen. Um, Mark is coming to help save the show. Joanne says, I've called... Um, I've hired an engineer, but they're late. Help me, please. And uh, in it, Mark can sense the frustration that Joanne has with Maureen. And Mark is like, mm, interesting. I'm vaguely familiar with that feeling that you have here. Let's dance about it. And so they do. It's very musical theater, and everybody loves it. Man. Anthony, about their trifling-ass woman. Just completely wipes the floor with the dude that plays Mark in the, the final version. Oh, God. Yeah. Anthony, the, the, even the movie Tango Maureen is like by far better than that stage version. <laughs> the, the dude in the final one literally looks like Freddie Prince Jr. trying really hard. That's, that's, that's the thing is that this final Broadway performance, I feel like most of the women are hold their own. They right. are fine. These men are really musical theater acting their ass off. Like it's. It, like I feel like you really have to push past the performance and look at Jesus just the design element of the show. Christ. Yeah, because they're they're just hamming it up out there. Yeah, and it's really kind of a shame that it, it's like it's turned into this musical theater thing because it's set out to not be that. And that's why like people like Jesse L. Martin and Tay Diggs signed on to the project because right. they heard it was a musical and they were like, 
Absolutely not, because I'm either going to play a black man who doesn't exist in uh, that particular setting at that time, or I. it's like some kind of weird part. It's not just like being, right? It's not humans being humans. Uh, but that's what drew Tay Diggs, Jesse L. Martin to the show. Anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Tango Maureen, musical theater, hello. And now we're in the life support meeting. Uh, the life support people. Okay. This was this was like when I actually liked the show when I was watching it earlier today. Oh, yeah. The whole first section is just like kind of like throwing out all the things that I'm familiar with. And then this life support meeting is just like, wow, this is like real actual writing that's not an after school special. This is actually fairly good. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, everybody in the life support meeting, uh, Steve, Gordon, Ali, Pam, Sue, those are all r- real people. Um, they, those were all Jonathan's friends that he lost to AIDS. Um, and the cast, the, the cast is encouraged to change the name each night of somebody that they know that has died from AIDS. Um, the life support. Oh, uh, and most of the life support stuff is based off of like his real life um volunteering at friends indeed which is like a a group that you know uh helped out lgbtqia people that um you know were dealing with hiv aids at the time a support group um so he used these people he used them um to gauge uh what (laughs) how his show was reading right so he uh had the show and he had like stage readings in his house um and a lot of them hated it because uh the message that was uh, in these first iterations was just like love 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 like we have hiv but that's okay we're living our lives it's great it's fine we're dealing with it and uh most of the people were like go fuck yourself you don't have aids you you don't really know what it's like um it, it is a day by day thing it is a struggle which is why Gordon is in there and he says, I have a problem with your credo. Um, my T cells are lows. I regret that news, you know, all that nonsense. Um, so all of the, all of the like confrontations that happen in the life support meeting are pulled from real life experiences, real life critiques that Jonathan got for his show. Um, and Mimi was originally in there, but Pam specifically in the book, they say Pam, um, Pam said, it does not make sense that Mimi is at that life support meeting when she is an active user it's like having right. an alcoholic at an AA meeting it does not make sense and because of that we have these next two songs out tonight and another day so out tonight is like Mimi's like yeah this is my philosophy I'm out here I'm living my life and being reckless whatever and Roger sees that and says okay well I lived that life right I was living that life I lost my girlfriend because of it right uh, and you are out here n- not giving a shit, like putting yourself in danger. And I'm not, I'm not willing to watch somebody else I love die. And I'm not willing to go down that road with you. Um, and you're preaching all this thing about like love, love, love and whatever, but you're out no, here. No, but today. Why do you need smack? Girlfriend, please. Um, so I feel like this is like, it, it, has t- it has taken me years to finally understand the justification behind Roger's brooding. Right. Because like you. God, that character has to be tough to play, like because, you know, going into it, that you're probably going to be the hated one, the most hated character in the show because you were just so depressing. But that's real life for some people. My biggest issue is more so just that he like, yeah, he's sad, but that's not why I find him insufferable. I feel like 
the way that he processes everything is just like you have done no work whatsoever, have you? Like you haven't healed at all from any of this. No, well, yeah. no. That's he's the just whole point of the character is that he's he's not dealing with it. Yeah. Right. He's running away from it. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing that uh that is the the conflict between Mimi and Roger is Mimi doesn't really fully understand that Roger needs to go through some things. She's just like, you know, be, just whatever, just live life. And Roger is not understanding that it is like himself that needs to do the work. Roger's also like, older. And I feel like that's meant to show some of the weird age difference between them. Oh like, yeah. She is definitely younger and like pretty lackadaisical about life. Yeah. Um, and that's probably her best way to deal with it, which isn't really saying that she's dealing with it any better than he is. Right. It's just, I mean, cause she's also, again, she's out there just being reckless. Like right. in her mind, she's like, nah, I might die soon, whatever. And with that like mentality, she's like, I might die soon. So might as well live every day live at full blast yeah. at 110 miles an hour. Um, okay. We had that discussion. We're moving on. Um, now we're into, oh Lord, I have so many notes. Okay, now we're into Will I on the Street, Santa Fe. We're going into this chunk. Uh, so, Will I Lose My Dignity? That line, oh, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous number, just like by itself. Um, the uh, That first line, Will I Lose My Dignity, comes from Jonathan going to these Friends Indeed meetings. And the general, uh, like, uh, the thing that pe most people had in common is that they weren't really afraid of... Uh, the death part, actually dying, but like the, the getting process. to the dying, the deteriorating, the disintegrating, the disappearing. Um, right, they'd rather just die than right, rather than lose your dignity. Away, yeah. yeah, and everyone has out. to watch that happen too. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and but like uh, because everybody's seeing this, and it, actually, Rent Live on Fox kind of like put me on this. Um, the way the camera was swooping around in that you saw like every person singing it, including Benny. Benny is also singing, Will I Lose My Dignity? So it kind of shows that like he himself has this internal struggle of like, fuck, I'm selling out. I'm selling my friends down the, down, how does that phrase go? Selling my friends down, down the, the river? river? Whatever. Um, yeah. So he, he has like an internal struggle as well. And I think it's lost in the movie because he actually kind of has a redemption in the stage show. Yeah, they, he's like a footnote in the movie, I feel. I mean, I haven't watched the movie in a very long time, but I just barely remember well, his character. I'm here to tell you, he is. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the villain of the movie. Right, right. and it just remains the villain. Like, yeah. it doesn't have like you a... You can tell in the movie that there's more depth to that character, but they just kind of like scrubbed it, you know? Yeah, it's all in the background. Yeah. Like, literally, the background of shots is him yeah. doing something. Why would like, you oh. do that? That's such a shame, because that's a fun... I, I like that aspect that's of his character, is that he... He's struggling with it. Yeah, he's kind of like, we could be doing better. Like, we don't have to live like this. Like, imagine if we actually got paid for what we do. Imagine maybe what you could do with your life if you had more money and you were more comfortable and not fighting to survive. Truly, I feel like that's the aspect that saves the show from being just totally an after-school special. The main characters, take them or leave them. But, like, every, every, time, every time you step back and he, like... Dang. He talks about every time Larson talks about the culture surrounding HIV and all that, that's real. Like all the characters are they're caricatures. Like they're 
representations of these people in his life that I just, I don't feel like he really fully fleshed them out. But, but you know that he feels these things because you, you hear it from the lesser characters that are like surrounding yeah. the main the, ones. The chorus, seeing yes. the themes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they were fleshed out in the four hour version. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Also, it's interesting that they, they sliced Benny's part so much in the movie because Tay Diggs was probably the most Right, famous person in that movie Truly. at the time. Yeah, maybe he cost too much to be in all those scenes. Maybe. Oh shit, maybe. But his, his damn wife was in it. Shit, could have got a little deal. Who's his wife? He and Adina Menzel were married at the time. <laughs> oh damn! During Rent. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I totally forgot. This, that. this show is actually kind of a, a start for almost everybody mm-hmm. in the cast. Yeah, half of them went on to be on Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> like every actor in New York, but more than one episode. <laughs> Okay, um, so let's get into, let's go on the street. All right, we're on the street. Uh, we witness, uh, they're all coming out of the live sport. Oh, I just want to say, in Will I, on stage, what's happening is Roger, we actually see like some of the character development start to happen where he's he's thinking, right, and he has his guitar, and he's like, I'm trying to write a great song. Um, but <laughs> then he... It realizes sound like me, as well. He realizes that uh, he should probably like go out and live a life. Um, and so he does that, and it's really like, it's great. Um, and that's at the like conclusion of the song. Roger finally puts on his coat and walks out the door. It's painfully uneasy the entire time he's outside. Yeah, yeah, he's he's an agoraphobe at this point. Um, so now we're on the street. We've come out of the life support meeting. We witness some police officers trying to threaten this woman, mm. this this bag lady. Uh, Mark has his little camera and he says, uh, "Hello." Smile for the uh, smile for Ted Koppel, Officer Brown or whatever. Martin. Martin Brown. I don't know who Officer Brown, Martin is. Officer. Martin Brown. Listen, she don't need no help from no, from no motherfucking artists. I was hoping you would go on. From some bleeding heart cameraman, my life's not for you to make a name for yourself on. Um, yeah, my note's like, you don't even need the rest of the show. This, this song is it. <laughs> Hashtag liberals. <laughs> That's what he was saying. Those neoliberals. Um... Yeah, there. I wrote a question like, "What is an artist's role in society? How uh, how much do they actually uh, help or hurt the subject they're trying to help, or whatever?" Um, that could be a discussion we could have. But <laughs> so on the street happens. On the street happened. Um, Santa Fe. Santa Fe. They're like, "Oh, what do we do next? Uh, why do, how do we get out of here? Let's go to Santa Fe. Let's start a restaurant." And there's an interesting lyrics that say, "Devote ourselves to projects that sell." Hmm. Interesting. Um, whatever. They want to go to Santa Fe, and they don't. Uh, let's let's go to a real song. And they're talking about forgetting this cold bohemian hell. I'm like, okay, now hold on. Then, if you're just trying to forget this cold bohemian hell, then take Why Benny's offer, sell there, out, get over with. Like, I don't understand. Like, we just keep going back and go forth. Y'all don't know what you want. <laughs> I we'll, feel we'll make Santa Fe better than New York City. Well, I feel like it's not even that it is. Like, that's what they sit around and dream about as friends. Like, that's their like joke of like how to escape the city. Everyone has it. We all have our dumb things that we've cooked up. We cooked up this fucking podcast out of some goofy scheme like that. This is true. We have this commune that exists far off in the future yeah, somewhere. We, yeah, we we have all of these things in our heads that we're like, yeah, that's what we're gonna do one day. If we just had the money or we just got away, like it's always this escapist thing. Like that's all it is. That's all it serves there too. The fact that. Never mind. We'll get there later. I, we might not. I just had to Google it. <laughs> um, Newsies came out in 1992. So maybe Jonathan Larson saw that movie and thought, Santa Fe. 
Everyone in New York wants to move to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Because <laughs> they both have songs about that city. I would, I would not be surprised. <laughs> and they're just named Santa Fe. And he's Fe. like, damn, Santa Fe does sound nice. <laughs> okay. It's uh, warm. They so we go into the dogs. first, I'll cover you. Um, this song is kind of whatever to me, or it was, I think. Uh, but I think that's what makes the uh, reprise so powerful. Because this one kind of breezes by and we're like, oh, that was nice. I like it. I think it's really sweet. You know, they literally just met like two hours ago. And they are in <laughs> love. That is serious business. Uh, okay, so um, I'm going to breeze right past it and go into We're Okay because that's Joanne's complicated solo number, which, again, just really paints Joanne as a full character, which is great. Um, Steve, Joanne, the Merger case. Um, now, Merger, I think, comes from the... Uh, the source material for La Boheme was a book called Scenes of Bohemian Life. Of course, it was in French, not English. Um, and the author, uh, his last name is Merger. So oh, the Merger case. Okay. The Merger case. And they got a dismissal. Good work, counselor. <laughs> um, we go into... Uh, we go into Christmas Bells, which is the Sondheim shit, which is the opera shit. Like, I think this song is a great showcase of Jonathan Larson as a musician. Like, it really is. It is bonkers. It's so good. It is so good. There is so much how, going on. How much happens at the end of the song? There's so much that it's, happens. It's, it's basically an Act One finale before the act before is even the over. Finale, yeah. <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah. So, I have like timelines written out here. Okay. So Mark meets Mimi. Roger says, uh, let's go to Maureen's show. Mimi says, who's that? Uh, and uh, Roger explains. Mimi tries to hold Roger's hand, and Roger says, no, we need to take it slow. Um, and then you hear Mark, Roger, and Mimi sing the, I should tell you, I should tell you, I should part toward the end. Um, what else is happening? Angel is trying to buy a coat for Collins, and Collins is like, oh, no, you're too nice. And Angel's going through all these coats, and she finds his coat, the coat that was stolen from the beginning. And so uh, she is now bargaining with this bag lady to get the coat back. Um, and finally does for $15. Uh, Benny is talking to Allison, talking about uh, how the, the protest is on, uh, police officers are there. Who's the big investor that's coming tonight? Oh, it's your father shit. Um, yeah, so that's... That's what happened at, at the end of Christmas Bells, as well as uh, junkies being junkies. And is it your AZT break, Jeannie? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, her alarm went off. <laughs> junkies are being junkies. Uh, uh, and it, it comes into this crazy swell. Uh, and then Maureen comes out. All the lights black out. A motorcycle comes on stage. We are blinded by the light, wrapped up like a douche. The lights come up. Maureen says, Joanne, which way to the stage? Snow! <laughs> um, Takes off the helmet. <laughs> hair flows. Yes. <laughs> no, let's just skip that song. What? what? Oh, my gosh. I have so many notes. Let me say it straight into the microphone. It's time to start. What, 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 what? We can skip Love Evil Wim. Can't stand Maureen's character. Can't stand that song. <laughs> Last night, I jumped I over a dream. to dream. Oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> I had a canteen in my house. <laughs> God. Empty. <laughs> Out of the abyss walked a cow. Elsie. Uh, okay, so... We have to stop for copyright purposes. <laughs> Colton is uh, pissed about it. What the fuck is this? Well, Colton, it's performance art. And this whole thing... <laughs> 
this whole thing is a nod to like early early 80s downtown uh weird solo performance art um and there are notable people that they put in this little book um there's a place club 57 was a, a huge uh, uh venue for this kind of thing and it was in a basement in the basement of holy cross polish national church so it was in the basement of a church um and people performed at this club we Madonna, should be using Cindy churches Lauper, more often. B-52s, RuPaul, Michael Musto, Basquiat. Yeah. All of these people are like part of this downtown art scene that they're referencing in this over the moon performance. Yeah. And that's really the like Jonathan, the, the whole goal for this show is to um, pay homage to the downtown art scene. Um, because, yeah, he wanted to write a show that was like, from the perspective of him and his friends and then it had him and his friends in it. Um, yeah. So that's what this is. I think it's great fun. Like I got to see it at starlight like 10 ish years ago. I moved. <laughs> I, I, you moved with I everyone. Mood. I moved. My friend said, she's like, she's like, she, oh I was Lord. like, we're literally supposed to move, Amanda. I'm going to move. She, she said, ask it. Move with move me. With me. And I moved with her. You did it, Ben. You did it. It's breaking the fourth wall on its finest. And you resisted those police officers. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to throw out in Lava Wem, there's this thing called the missing act. And this act belongs somewhere between act two and three. Um, and what happens is it's at Musetta's house in an open air at something. Um, and I, I, I feel like this scene maybe pulls from that a little bit. Is it actually, is it actually missing? Did they lose it? No, I think they just cut it from the libretto mm. or from, you know, whatever the book. Um, it was found after Puccini died. Oh, so there's like, Ooh, mysterious. Does this belong in here? Did he actually write it? Um, and he did. <laughs> it was fan fiction. Someone mailed to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we 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 did the performance art, and um, you know, in that five minutes, she saved all the homeless people. She did it, all of them, all of them. all that work, all day for a so five-minute the show. The police are on standby. Celebrate, and uh, the waiter says, "No, you can't come in here to celebrate because there are no important people people here, and also you broke as shit." Um, the people, the important people that are there are Benny with his important investor, Mister Gray, his wife's father. Um, and so Benny is out here being like, me, 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 me. It was a nice attempt doing that performance. It was real cute. Um, but, uh, everything you believe in, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a real thing. Bohemia is a fallacy. And so they're like, oh, Bohemia is a fallacy. Let's hold a funeral. And so they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the R. most R. high school musical theater of a song of all the beats in this it show. It is. <laughs> the theme of this show, rapid fire summary. Because yes, yes, it is. I did myself a terrible thing. I set myself up for failure. And so they're like, oh, let's hold a funeral for Bohemia. And they're like, oh, all the things that yeah. went with Bohemia. Whatever. This song's so good. We could just, we should, uh... <laughs> What do you have to say about Some of this stuff, I feel like we should be able to talk about a little bit more than we are. Okay. Bisexual, trisexual, homo sapiens, carcinogens, men. I think. Pee Wee Herman. It is. It is. It's huge and it's in depth. And I think I'm gonna pour one to try and squeeze it to an hour. And I think I'm gonna stop right there and just assume that Act Two is good. But I'm here to tell you, it isn't. So Act One takes place Christmas Eve. Act Two takes place over the course of the year, which is why we have seasons of love. How do you measure 
uh, a year in the life. And then we see it and we see all the relationships get torn apart. We see the rent of it all, as it were. Um, Mimi and Roger break up. Maureen and Joanne break up and get back together and break up and get back together and break up. Um, And Angel dies. Angel dies. Oh, and Mark becomes a sellout. Mark becomes a sellout. Alexi Darling leaves him a voicemail from Buzzline. Um, yeah, and so they have all the uh, almost a year has gone by, and they are all completely different people. Um, Angel dies. They meet at the funeral, and they split up as friends. Um, Roger goes to Santa Fe, realizes he hates it there. Mimi is with Benny, um, uh, uh, using again. And he's uh, also they don't still split married. Up his friends because we we can't remember the the because Benny and Collins hang out become kind of become friends again after the funeral. This Benny's, is true. Yes, this, yeah, because that's Benny's redemption. When the, yeah, Benny, when we're in the cemetery. They have a whole thing. They had the whole big fight in the cemetery, which we never everybody remember. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, okay. that, that was my reference. That oh, was, okay. Yeah. Great. Maureen and Joanne break at the beginning of the song. Oh. I think about to get to the end of that song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you yes. said you said Benny and Mimi are using again. No, no Mimi, Mimi is, is using. Benny is with Mimi. They are together, and oh, Mimi is using again. I see. He's um, cheating on his wife with Mimi I, openly with the friend group. I just, thought, point. I just misunderstood you. I thought you were saying that Benny was using like, I don't remember this plot point. No, that, 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 that does not happen. But Benny does pay for the funeral mm-hmm. um, and pays for uh, Mimi to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. The first and time. probably takes Colin out for drink. Colin's out for drinks. Yeah, they, oh, yeah. they hang so. out afterwards. Um, so that sort of is mending again. Um, and then uh, Roger and Mark sing the song "What You Own," um, which was probably my least favorite track of the whole thing. Honestly. I really love the lyrics in that track, but I, mean, I don't love the song thing. itself. And it's, I love the harmonies at the end. Yeah. The end is my favorite part of that whole song. It's very, it's very, I suppose, Bruce Springsteen-y. Mm-hmm. Which one are you talking about? What you own. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And Jonathan Larson does an amazing job of like capturing all of these different genres. By the way, speaking of that, Seasons of Love was only written because his girlfriend at the time told him he couldn't write a gospel tune, and he said, "Well, you know what?" And came out with Seasons. Is this of the love. same girlfriend that? Because <laughs> he's a petty bitch. I, I really hate when epic things have a really, really simply stupid backstory where it's just like oh oh that's all it was that's oh, it that's Johnny it was and petty. Now this is the one this fine it's fine it's fine it's fine. Won. it's fine um so okay and yeah after what you own we get a voicemail number five all of the parents are like what's happening you guys we see we're back at december 24th 10 p.m mark has completed his documentary roger is back with a guitar um we can't find mimi we don't know where and he's she putting is. a band together He's putting a band together. I think that's Wait, I mentioned somewhere, right? That he's putting, he's like. Perhaps, I probably. Think, that, one of the, the postcards from his mom was that you're back in town, you're putting together a band. Oh, starting a rock Please band. call yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of these make sense. What are you talking about? You're in Santa Fe. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. And so they're, whatever. Collins is back. He's uh, rigged the ATM. Now anybody can, with the code, can punch it in, pull out money. Um, and, uh, 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 and then Mimi is dying. And then she's not dying because Roger sang his beautiful song. Your eyes. And wasn't it beautiful? We said no. our goodbyes. <laughs> seriously. It's not much, but it's all he had. Just like. He does say that. Seriously, though. How does he sing? Like, like the song he's trying to write is just so terrible compared to everything else that he sings 
about his own personal emotions, which what songwriting is about. Because Mark is, or Roger's a bad songwriter, but Jonathan Larson's a good one. Right. I mean, oh, uh, I mean, he is kind of a wash up. That is the thing. He's not actually. Roger as a character. Yeah, he's not mm. that successful. I mean, he's playing at punk gigs for one. CBGB, popular place, but still, it's ultimately a punk Five o'clock on a Tuesday, probably. <laughs> not the prime gigs, How that's for sure. More punk then. <laughs> Also, I feel like a lot of the thing with Roger is, is he's putting so much pressure to like write this big thing to leave as his legacy because he knows he's going to die. And if he just gets it written, he can die peacefully. And like, that's probably a lot of it. He's putting so much stupid pressure on himself. And, and like, because of that, as the story, it puts a lot of like pressure on the piece of art that he's trying to do itself. Yes. So like once we actually see terrible. it as the audience, we're like, oh, it's going to be this epic song. And then it's. <laughs> and uh, hey, it brings a girl back to life. He it's do, true. Does he, or is it Angel? It might just be the warmth of the apartment. <laughs> so really, it's Benny. It's Benny big. has turned the heat back on. He has saved Mimi. Huh? Benny's Again. truly the hero. Um, Mimi's alive. She's fine. I mean, she's not fine, but she will be. She's gonna make it she's for gonna a make bit, it. Uh, or at least a few weeks. Um, a little longer. What? Everyone's this show. <laughs> what what is what is the what is the point what's the point of this fucking show what is the point of the show well that is a very good question colton um i don't think it was ever fully realized i don't think it was ever fully realized i, I think he was still working on that um when he died so the workshop of it all. Uh, they did a workshop performance in 1994 and then uh, they, with after some rewrites, staged a full production in, at the New York Theater Workshop um, in 1996. Uh, and the design was really interesting because all the people that they picked for the design choreographers, costume designer, set designer, none of them had any ex real experience in musical theater or theater in general. Like it was, it, yeah. So, and all of them said, I don't think I'm the person you want for this gig because it sounds like you're writing a musical. And they said, that's Great. a good instinct, but we actually do want you. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, in this workshop, um, he, it, it, it wasn't complete. It never reached previews. So it, uh, or he never made it to previews. I should say he died on the last rehearsal and previews, uh, songs can be cut. Plots can be right, completely changed. Right. It all depends on like the audience and how they gauge the audience, the audience reaction. I guess that's fair. I just like, <sighs> I just don't understand the point of it. Like, like I know, like I get the idea of these things that he was going for, but not a single one of them meets, meets its final, like the point he's trying to get to. And I think that also like feeds into the tragedy of Jonathan Larson because he was a man at the start of his career, really. Yeah. Um, so this, like if he had lived and like had a full catalog, Rent was, would probably be one of the worst shows he wrote. Probably. <laughs> Maybe, potentially. We don't know. We'll never know. Yeah, I mean, apart from like kind of the more famous songs from the show, like La La Vie Bohème and um, I Seasons of Love. Seasons that one got on the radio. Yeah. It did. Apart it, the entire album, the album as a whole, two number all forty two tracks as an album, entered the Billboard Top two hundred at number nineteen. Jeez. Like when it debuted, so that uh, the people were hyped about it at least. Yeah, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder did a cover. 
Of Stevie Wonder. Yep. Well, I think that's no, voicemail five. <laughs> the sex oh man, we, we didn't even talk about contact. <laughs> I think that's kind of the funny that's thing. That's how you kill your your boyfriend. Have sex with him, then he dies in the hospital, and then you sing about how sad. Well, you're how right. do you? How, okay, how does everyone feel about contact? You I know, like to know I, I knew it was coming when I saw it on stage, but I still could not figure out why. Why it was happening? Yeah. Um, I know that there's some symbolism, like, oh, this metaphor at the end of, like, oh, was it good for me? Was it bad for you? Oh, no. It's over because Angel's dead now. Yeah. But also Mark's in there? And who's having sex with Mark? Valid question. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, in the original, in the original like, notes for the show, he had sex with basically every guy he went to high school or college with. Mark is filming everything. That's his <laughs> Yeah, they're actually making a group porno right now. I think it's supposed to be disarming at first, right? Because we see, we come out of what? We come out of Without You, which is kind of a sad number. We go straight into another voicemail from Alexi Darling. Labor Day weekend, East Hampton on the beach. Just saw Alec Baldwin, told him you said hi. Just kidding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so we get into a, a humorous little number, and then we go straight into sex, which <laughs> the way it's written is kind of funny. Like, it's it's not just sex either. It's kinky sex. It's very kinky sex. And I think that's the important aspect to be written about. These people aren't just having sex, but they're still engaging in lifestyle sex, even though there is, again, a pandemic raging on. They aren't. Yes, there's the idea of being careful and not coming into contact with this, but also that's a crucial contact. part of themselves and they're going to continue to pursue it. Yeah. And, and I think that is for good or bad. One of the yes. points of the show, like this show was a little bit of activism because it was bringing light to uh, uh, the HIV AIDS epidemic. It, this and Angels in America were the only two things on Broadway talking about it. And they uh, at the Tony Awards, they would not let the word AIDS be mentioned, uh, which is why we see all of these red ribbons now, uh, because I think Rent started that trend of wearing the red ribbon at the Tonys. Gosh, I oh just, my gosh, uh, the Republicans stole it. They did. Actually, I think uh, the Susan G. Komen stole it. The Mad Moms of Drunk Drivers. I think they had it first, technically. Sorry, I just uh, they stole it. I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like it builds towards something when we get to La Vie Bohème and then everything after it just kind of peters out into Well, it's like nonsense. their lives. Like everything was going perfectly that one night. Yeah, that where night it was culminates magical. with the show that's successful and then they all hang out and like everyone is having a good time and then the next everyone year like eat. oh their lives it's continue. Like they have a place to sleep. Full of hope, right? Things look like they're turning around, like it looks like they have did something good. They saved each other, themselves, whatever, all these Except people. Except they didn't. Except they didn't. They cyber walked arts out for go- another week. Well, Cyber Arts still gets built yeah. the next year. The 10 city gets evicted. Oy. Bohem is where you make it. You know, we never did our trivia. <laughs> we never did. Um, we don't need to. <laughs> we don't need to. We have plenty of content, and I didn't even get into uh, half the things I wanted to get into. I mean, we only covered half I didn't of the show. Like, cut you off no, I but, but, I mean, like, I, Oh man, I should have I should have thought this through, and I <laughs> maybe you need a timer well, to look we at. We talked about the timer, and I I have a timer I can look at right here. But sure, but I think we need a display timer so that we can each well, convene with one another and be like. I think the real source is that we don't need to pick an album that has forty two tracks on it. <laughs> 
that might be the the real deal. I tried to or cut it in half go through myself. it track okay, by track. We always go long, anyways, no matter True. how long the but albums that's what are. I'm saying is forty two tracks. I mean, this is fine. Like, I have an eight hour work day, so if I have a three hour <laughs> podcast <laughs> listen to do, that gets me to lunch. Well, I'm, nice. to be fair, we did fit hair into about this same time frame, so yeah, and I had less to say. Well, that's because it's <laughs> and you even had the book, so uh, yeah, the, the hair book. I did. I think hair is even more scattershot than rent is. So yeah, well, there's no plot, so you don't have to. You don't worry. Like, did I miss something? Yes, because there's no connections <laughs> to remember what happens. We all miss something. <laughs> <sighs> um. So yeah. Uh, did anyone have a favorite song that they wanted to talk about? Notes. Uh, Colton hated it top to bottom. No, I just. I've, Anybody else? <laughs> I've just never really been big for rent. I don't. It's just like. I, I I have the songs that I like on in Rent, but and what are they? Was my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel do, like do I, I feel like I've said them already. I, La Vie Bohème. Oh, okay. Um. Uh. uh End of list. I gotta, no, I got to think of song titles. It's just I can't. I do like I do like Out Tonight, even though it's kind of like not really essential to the plot line. I don't think, but. It's essential it, to the character. Right, right. It's a character development song. But yeah. out tonight, um, weirdly enough, I actually kind of like Halloween. It's kind of a weird yes. off-ball bot yeah. one that I'm... He was really great at writing writing uh, musical scenes, Yes, I think. Yeah. I scenes that like yeah. went somewhere. Right. That had a beginning, middle, and end. And I loved Halloween in high school, the, the song. Yeah. Because yeah. like... It's one like Mark really gets to like he finally opens up himself to himself. Right. He gets to be like, I was just called out on how I I never I think that's what it is. I can never let myself feel, but now like I am feeling that's things. That's the so one, one moment that a character has in the show that I feel like you see the development happen. Where every other character, it's like not really as noticeable. Like I don't feel like Roger does anything to really like improve himself by the end of the show no no he's uh, about uh, uh, kind of the same recklessness right. not maybe not the degree as, as Mimi oh but like God. buying a car going to Santa Fe and then what they have, what, they have him come that solved they have him come back to sing this song what? coming back to do the exact same thing right, right. right. Yeah. 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 they have him come back, back to do, do this song, song. Like, well, but, dude like what what are you doing here <laughs> like like, you spent a year writing that? Yeah. You spent a year writing the same song that everyone just made fun of you for singing. <laughs> One that doesn't sound like Musetta's Waltz, and then it still sounds like goddamn Musetta's Waltz. Oh, God, I can't fucking stand Roger. <laughs> uh, there's a lyric in Musetta's Waltz that uh, is in, uh, no, Take Me or Leave Me. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, there was also that song. There was also yeah. that song, uh, which before uh, there was a song called Valentine's Day that uh, talked about um, abusive sex, um, something about beat me until I'm black and blue and gray. And it was a song Ooh. that was Mimi was singing this and Roger was kind of like having a internal conflict about not wanting to abuse his lover. But that's what she wants. And like, how does he come to terms with that? Um, and then Michael Greif said, what? Uh, let's let's find something else. God, if only this show had come out a little bit later, so that they could actually talk about some of that shit. I feel like, but it wouldn't have made as much. It wouldn't have been as shocking. I feel like in the mm -hmm. in the mid two thousands compared mm -hmm. to no the nineties. Yeah, but 
Take Me or Leave Me replaced that song because Freddie Walker Brown, the original Joanne, said, listen, Jonathan, you gave me We're Okay, and that's great. You gave me all these other tunes, and that's great. But everybody else gets to wail. I don't get to wail. I don't get to go to church. So, Which is probably why they give her the solo in the movie. Well, not her, but like they give Joanne the solo. Yeah. 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 So like, here, you can sing something, please. So, and that's... Uh, Take Me or Leave Me Happen. Also, another fun fact, Without You was originally for Mark and Joanne about Maureen. But I think that fell fell by the wayside when they were like, okay, Jonathan, we know somebody left you and became a lesbian, but you got to get over it. (laughs) That's the one I wish they would have just been like, can we not? Without you? Oh. Every time it starts, I'm like, no. That's like half the soundtrack for me. (laughs) Meh, meh. Like, I... It drones on and on and it on, and there's all like it four loses the metaphor notes in the whole thing. Because like I die without you, she's like you know oh, that's very beautiful like imagery. But no, she's literally actually dying. She is dying, and not just because she's without him. Yeah, she's dying with him because she's still sneaking off to do drugs. Wretched, right. right. just wretched. Oh. Just like what? what <laughs> every every time like a plot point from this show gets explained, I'm just like. <laughs> It's just, it's exhausting how fucking immature these fucking people are that are supposed to be in their late 20s. Like, God. We also can't forget that it is an opera. So these characters are over the top. They're very heightened. It's a very heightened situation. There's hardly any talking. And when it is, it's leading up to another song. Yeah. Which I think why the movie sucks so much is because he tried to like really get like the grit and realism of a rock opera. Like I, I, I don't think, I don't think realism and rock opera really go together, even though they were dealing with real life issues. I don't think I will say too. I, I feel that, um, First of all, Spring Awakening is kind of like a, a, a spiritual successor to Rent, I feel like. Absolutely. They're not tied together in any way, but like no. dealing just with teenagers and, and some like taboo right. subjects. But they're both yeah, adaptations spring- of hundred year old shows. This is true. <laughs> but um I also feel like as someone who play who writes rock music for a living, like Rent's really not that much rock and roll. Like it's got a few songs that are very like sound like 80s and 90s rock yeah. not even so much 90s more 80s rock yeah like there's and jonathan larson was like a, a synth player really the only hint of grunge that happens is just from adam pascal's voice and that it's nothing else in his character it's just he has that that tinge to his voice and i would even say that uh the musical director of the original production pulled out the rock and roll from the the yeah from Jonathan Larson. And that's why I bring up Spring Awakening because I feel like that show actually is like rock music. And yeah, because it's written by a rock songwriter. Yeah. I don't know. I that's that's always been my issue with rock musicals in general is it's very just like it's still music theater. Like it, I don't know. It doesn't break away enough from tradition for me. Yeah. And that's why I like Rock of Ages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, this was truly uh, an episode that was gobbledygook. Um, Definitely, it happens. <laughs> it it, it for sure happened. Um, Technically, it's our first time on our feet in like six months, though. Yeah. So. Six months, a lot happened between then. Um, I don't know if I sold literally a single person on rent, um, but just believe me, it's good. <laughs> believe us that it is uh, historically <laughs> significant. 
And seriously, if, it is. If but you don't have to. Somebody see can it. convince me to like this show more than I do, then please do. But uh, you'll have a hard time. <laughs> that was my goal tonight, but I fell flat on my face. Well, you and I have already talked about this show many times. Actually, do you know what, Colton? I think that you will just forever hate Rent. I think you will go to your Listen, grave. I do not hate Rent. I, I disagree. strongly dislike Rent. I think you hate it. Brandon, Rent is to Colton what Pet Sounds is to me. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, though. There you go. Oh. I might. Don't I let, would. Don't let Rent be Brandon's Pet Sounds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there are, dude, you think I deserve something better or worse? You definitely deserve a better thing than Rent. <laughs> Let me tell you, the first song I ever heard was uh, La Vie Boheme, the, the first part, right? And I downloaded it from that... Uh, Napster? Aries. Aries. Was the, was the, um, the you know, that program you guys had of, in of That was a choice. much lesser known one, I feel like. My cousin did it. It was all Seth. Um, but I downloaded La Vie Boheme, not knowing what Seth it was. Seth Myers, he pirated music. <laughs> Find him. Was he, he a physical in- therapist? What is he now? Yeah, <laughs> something, something in medicine. He just had a baby. No. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, congratulations. That's um, <laughs> Fucking, uh, I downloaded La Vie Boheme because I had heard the joke on Family Guy. If you want to do a bad show, why don't we just do Rent? And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? Why is it a bad show? So that got me hooked. And uh, I was, uh, I had done, my first musical was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Um, and I had listened to that soundtrack, that revival soundtrack, which has Anthony Rapp as Charlie it's Brown. Been, great, no skips. I skipped nothing on that bop show. Bob after Bob after Bob, it slaps. Um, do you know something, Schroeder? I think the way you play the piano is nice. Um, Anthony Rapp is Charlie Brown, right? And so I heard Love You, Boheme, and I was like, oh, oh, this is so scandalous. Like, Anthony, I didn't know that you had this in you. <laughs> Uh, my director at the time, Bill Weaver, heard me. He was like, he was walking by and he's like, I'm sorry, what are you listening to? And I was like, this is Rent. And he said, okay. Came back the next day with a DVD case, right, of the uh, original Broadway cast album picture, right, wrapped around the DVD case. And it was the full two-disc set of Rent, and he was like, you need to listen to this. And I said, I think you're right. He pointed me to like the Stevie Wonder track at the end, but I've actually to this day never listened to that all the way through. I think I listened to it one time. That's, that is one more than me. Yeah, not a slide to him, but I've also never listened to it, I don't think. I like, think I don't, I'm, not the, I'm not here for him. Well, I'm no, here for no, everyone else. You don't go to Stevie Wonder to listen to him sing other people's music. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, they use that as a promo for sure. Yeah. Just like when he was on the Mulan soundtrack and he's on oh, one, that that one song at the end. Yeah. With 98 Degrees and Christina yeah. <laughs> I do not want to derail this conversation, but speaking of uh, people doing uh, 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 soundtracks, right? Do you know Jackie Chan is a multi award winning artist in China, like singer, singer? And his version of. Uh, uh, Make a man out of you, right? His version is like a fucking platinum hit. Oh, right, because he did the voiceover for like the yeah. uh-huh. uh, Ch- Chinese. He he is as famous as a pop singer as he is as a movie star. Man, Next Jackie time Chan on, is a goddamn legend. Truly, get legend. into the groove. We talk about Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this up. We're, we're done. I'm sorry, everybody. Go listen to Rent. And if you don't, oh, then we can't be friends. <laughs> 
What you need to do is go back to high school. Go back, go back to, to high listen, school. Listen to rent. Do we know what we're what's our next on the lineup? Um, what's next officially on the lineup is it's actually the anti Grammy episode. Well, when this is out, it will not be true. Uh, so the next one after this will be uh, Jack White's first solo album, Blunderbuss. Terrific. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, terrific. Um, great. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brandon has forgotten how to host in six. <laughs> yeah. Exhaustive um, notes on the show, but not how to do a show. <laughs> ben, did you have fun? Did you have a good time? Oh, of course. Well, good. Always Where, ben, always do good you have notes? I mean, I had five pages of notes on the show <laughs> on, on, on rent. What we're okay. talking not about. Get not get into us. the groove. Um, those are always spur of the moment those texts. Um, I will 100% listen to this episode because I love hearing my own voice. <laughs> we all do. Well, well, it's been wonderful having you. Thank you yeah, for being here. It has been fun. Two thumbs up. It has been. Sorry, it was a train wreck. I mean, one of my favorite photo photographs. Songs into an hour, but there's so much I wanted to say. I wanted to talk about like the way it was staged, the set design. It goes into Brechtian theater. Like they pull uh, all these moves from like Kurt Vile. We don't have two and a half hours. <laughs> don't we just oh. don't? But for for the audience listening, if you do want to hear more in depth um, conversations about Rent. There is a really obnoxious podcast. Oh, it's so I, good. It is so I good. Got, I could only get two episodes in because they're all like, oh, it's you, no, you haven't really seen it if you didn't see it on Broadway in 97 when I saw it five times. Because I live in New York. Ben. And if you don't live here, you haven't seen it, then it's not, you haven't really experienced Rent the movie. I vomit when I think about it. Trust me, keep I, going. Like, so many I of the guests shit listen. on them. It's so good. Oh, okay. It's as long so as the good. guests are like. They, they, I think they are fully aware that they're being idiotic. Because <laughs> one guest yeah. is like, oh, I mean, I'm from Texas. I didn't see it on Broadway. But, I mean, the movie's okay, I guess. And they're like, it's the worst. <laughs> and the guy's like, Okay. <laughs> Listen, that is not just New York people that talk like that. It's every single music theater person oh, I've ever I, I met. I know that, <laughs> being one. But, like... God forbid anybody watch the movie. But I'm from Kansas, so I know that it's hard to wow, see a, a good stage production of a show. Uh, Rent is on a, a farewell tour. Just like Cher, they're saying goodbye for the 75th time. <laughs> so, go see it. I, I'll be there. It is. It's a fun show to watch. It I did. A, I really enjoyed it, it on stage. Blast. I mean, yeah. and, and that's the way to watch it. It's like it's a concert. Like, don't take. I mean, take it seriously, but don't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's it's Enjoy an event. It. It's Enjoy. not a. It's not a musical. It's an event. Right. It's an experience. Because <laughs> it's happening on stage. You can suspend your disbelief because there's no set. There's no set. There's nothing. It, there's a, some weird metal structure, and that's it. And the giant bed sheet at the end. The giant bed sheet where they all have sex under. An angel it's dies. A DIY rock show with a story. You put the story together yourself. Yeah, you put <laughs> some parts required. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's give it our give it our bye. Yeah, say goodbye. All right, bye. bye. bye.
You scared me. Okay. Ready? So so Rusty gotta get the uh, get the dust out. <laughs> There's the intro right there. Oh. <laughs> you guys, this is this. I missed this. 